we, um, we've been praying about the message today, and uh, you know, we, we were in a series on worship, and we're going to continue back with that series, but um, in light of the, the Bible reading program, the chronological Bible that Amanda just mentioned, um, we thought it would be good to just start out the year by reminding every one of us the importance of reading the Bible. Come on. And so we titled this message simply 11 Reasons to Read Your Bible Every Day. Now, we could have given you 111 reasons to read your Bible every day. Yeah. Um, but we just kind of narrowed it down to 11. I don't know why we picked 11. It was just an odd number, and we thought, let's just go with it. But one of the best <laughs> habits you could ever make in your life, you could ever form, have a lifelong habit, because our habits shape us. Our habits eventually define how we live, how we think. Mm -hmm. The best, one of the best habits you could ever develop in your life is to make it a point to read the Bible daily. The Bible, this Bible is it's not an ordinary book. Come on now. I know it just looks like, well, of course, if it's electronic, it looks like an electronic, something electronic that you're looking at on a screen, or it could just look like words. Uh, black, you know, print on a piece of paper. But the Bible is an a divinely inspired book. It's a sacred book. Amen. And Scripture tells us that the words in the Bible are literally alive and powerful. If you, if you turn to Hebrews, we're going to look at several Scriptures today. Uh, so if you brought your Bible, you really you need to be bringing a Bible. You need to get yourself a Bible, become familiar with the Bible. If we are children of God, if we are followers of God, then we must become familiar with who he is. And the way we become familiar with who he is is through his word. And so Hebrews 4.12 <clears throat> says this. It says, For the word of God is living and it's powerful. So these are not just ordinary words on a page. We have to approach the Word of God in faith. Mm -hmm. If you just approach this book like, well, I don't know, whatever, I'm just going to read it like a story, you really won't get much out of it. The way we approach reading the Word of God is we open up our heart to believe I'm reading about God, and I'm opening up my heart and my mind to faith and who he is, because the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. And so when you begin to read it in faith, like you, you, in other words, you open it up and you say, Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. speak to me through your word. You talk to him like he's a real person, which who he is. <laughs> Something supernatural will begin to happen. Some of you say, well, I've never done that. Well, you, it's, time to, it's time to take the risk and do it. Because something supernatural will begin to happen yes. because the Bible says the Word of God is living and it's powerful and it begins to open up your mind and your spirit to the kingdom of God. Praise God. Which is actually all around us, but it's not visible to your natural eye. And so when we are reading the Bible, we are opening up our spirit and our soul and our mind to another kingdom. This is why it takes faith. So Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit 
and joints and marrow. In other words, this word is going to go down deep inside of your heart and in your mind if you will open it and read it in faith. Mm -hmm. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of your heart. Now, that can be something we want and something sometimes we don't want. Do we want God to discern our heart? Yes. Well, <laughs> for those of us who have followed... <laughs> it got quiet in here. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a lot of things going on in our heart that need help, that need some purification. Mm -hmm. And the Lord wants to help us with that. And so it prepares you. As you read the Bible, it'll prepare you to live a purposeful life, a fruitful life, yes. a life that's pleasing to God, and it's going to prepare you for the life to come. Let's not forget that this life is not all that there is, all right? There's a whole eternity out there. The, the 70, 80, 90, 100 years that you live here in the earth, the Bible describes as like a vapor right. compared to eternity. How do you put a number on forever? And the scriptures tell us that the word of God will prepare us right. for the life to come. And, you know, I, I guess as we think about the value of reading the word of God, we both grew up going to church, grew up going to church all of our lives. Yep. I was Catholic, Lutheran, and, um, but was never taught to read the Bible. Imagine that. Imagine that. Never heard a sermon that I remember in all those years. Yes, there were little portions of scripture that might be read, but there was never a sermon saying everyone should get a Bible, open it up, read it in faith, and believe these Amen. words as living words. I never heard one sermon about that. But when we began to do it, when we, when we heard that the Word of God was living and powerful, it was like we put on a new set of glasses. <laughs> All of a sudden, the world... And my understanding of the world was different. I saw myself differently. Yeah. I saw people differently. I saw my purpose, what I was doing in the earth differently. And Jesus said that he came to give sight to the blind. I think we, we remember his first sermon. <laughs> and he did. He gave physical sight. We often think about that sight to the blind. But he came to give sight spiritual sight yes. to the blind and without his help really the whole world is walking in a spiritually blind position and so instead of just seeing everything from the natural when you begin to read the word of god it's like you put on glasses so you can see yourself you can see people you could see what your life is about with clarity and so we credit, as we think about the value so of the Word of God, I couldn't even place any, it's the highest treasure, really, because it's changed our life completely. Radically. I mean, it's changed our marriage. I, our, I don't know that we would still be married today if it weren't for understanding the truths in the Word of God and how to learn to treat one another, right. you know, in the love and respect. And even stamp the marriage covenant with the value that God puts on it. It's so easy to just throw marriage out. It doesn't work for me. I'm done with that. We move on. But when, I, when we began to see that God values the covenant of marriage, 
and he blesses the covenant of marriage, then we decided, okay, if we submit ourselves right. to that truth, maybe he can help our marriage. And he did. And so the Bible is just not like any other book that's ever been written. It literally offers you eternal life. Yes. And think about all the classic books that have been written down through the ages. We've all had to suffer reading through some of them in high school, right? Moby Dick, or I don't know, think of... <laughs> Change my life! Yeah, War and Peace. <laughs> Millions of people, you know, classics that people read and... <laughs> I don't know that any high schooler has said, man, my life was changed yeah. after I read Moby Dick. That was just, <laughs> that did it for me. <laughs> I mean, books like that, yes, they, they have influence in our life, but they do not have the power to transform your entire life mm -hmm. and your eternity. That's because these words are living and active. Amen. And the Bible has been radically changing people's lives for the people that will approach it in faith yes. and be willing to submit to what it says. Now, that's a biggie. Yeah. That's everything. <laughs> that's everything. <laughs> Especially in this day and age where no one wants to submit to anything but their own truth. Then you're going to have a hard time right. bowing your knee to the God of the Bible. But if you are willing yep. to bow your knee and submit to the words in the Bible, your life, will, your life will slowly, it won't happen overnight, but as you plant those seeds and you act upon them mm -hmm. in faith, you, your life will slowly transform. It'll change your destiny and it'll change the destiny of your family. Right. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah when we begin to understand what eternity is about and even what's at stake. Because it isn't just eternity, we yeah. go on living forever. There are really only two places in eternity that people will go. That's it. It's eternal life with Christ, who is pure life, or eternal death, separated from him, separated from life forever. Mm. Which people tend to think, you know, you think about your worst day here on earth. You go, oh, this was tormenting. This was awful. This was, I don't know. I don't even like to think about it. But multiply that by a billion. Yeah. And talk about how it would feel separated in eternal death, in torment forever. Mm -hmm. It should scare us. And it should make us go, oh, God, help me not to go there. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, I want to read. Like, show me truth. That's right. just our prayer that it yeah. wakens you with a desire to go, I love this word. Mm -hmm. This word is spirit and life. And so. You know, the Bible really is a, it's a, a story of God coming to the earth in the person of Jesus Christ uh, in love so that he could actually enter into this world which is we all know is broken this world is mixed up and this world it's actually often shattered because of sin yeah. and he's offering himself when he offers himself he's opening an invitation to us for wholeness to be sound of mind healing in our body 
He's, he's willing to put us back together better than we were before. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, we're broken and we're shattered in pieces. And what he does is put us all back together in a beautiful mosaic. All because he's the author of life. He's, he is so ready for people to come to him and simply just say, I'm asking you for forgiveness and that this life that you offer can come into my life, come into me. I can become a part of this eternal life here and now, not waiting till I die, but be a partaker of this eternal life right now through Jesus Christ. Because he is offering by his blood, his shed blood, the forgiveness of our sins. Uh, Who doesn't want their sins forgiven? I, I don't understand it. I mean, hey, we all have a past. We, we all have a past. And, you know, there's plenty of stuff I'm not proud of. But praise God, because of the blood of Christ, he, I have that washed away from me. Sins are forgiven. I can stand before Christ without fault, blameless, because of Jesus Christ. That's a deal. <laughs> That's a really good deal. (laughs) You open your Bible here to John chapter 1, verse 1. You know, when we're reading the Word of God, we're literally, we're fellowshipping with God Himself. It's, It's an amazing thing. And it's to a place where, I don't know, this helped me when I would be looking into the word reading the word i'd be i'd actually pull up an extra chair at the table and pretend that jesus was sitting right here as i'm reading the word of god that just helped me i might not help you but it's just something that a visual thing that helped me be a partaker of what he was offering me Look at verse 1 here. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. It says this. In the beginning before all time was the Word, Christ. And the Word was with God and the Word was God Himself. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life and the life was the light of men. This contains true life. True life. It's like we're living in a matrix. The world wants to tell you what true life is. But I'll tell you what, it's all a lie. When you start to investigate the Word of God and you find out what God, the author of life, is telling us what life is about, your life will absolutely change. He picks up the broken pieces and puts them back together. It, and people will say, well, the Bible is just a conglomeration of different stories and, you know, and subjects and stuff like that. So it's, it's like, but, you know, it is a conglomeration of stories and people's lives. But there is nothing fragmented about the Bible. It's nothing is haphazard about it. It all has a coordinated theme throughout the entire Old Testament into the New Testament. And it is about the love of the Father toward humans, toward mankind, offering us the forgiveness of our sin, offering us salvation and becoming free from the power of sin and death. 
It's 66 books in this Bible. 66. It's written over a span of 1,500 years. Now think about if the medical science started writing a book 1,500 years over that time period. Do you think things would change? Yeah. They used to say Kellogg's cornflakes could heal cancer. When it started off, they would claim things like that. But all of this has a, a central theme of a Savior coming to this earth to redeem mankind. The, there are 30 different authors from different walks of life, from, from religious leaders, political leaders, uh, military leaders, from farmers to fishermen. Uh, some were well-known in their day, and others were really obscure. And all, these, all of these writings, they had the theme that Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is coming to redeem mankind. And through his sacrifice, we will have the forgiveness of sins, the ability to become children of God. Children of God. Children of God. That's the good news of the gospel. It's the good news, and it continues to change lives even today. Go Amen. to Colossians chapter, uh, I think it's chapter 3. No, it's or chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. It, it really can take the hardest heart and soften it. It can take, this is why it's so miraculous, it can take a child of the devil and turn him into the child of God instantly. Now you're going to have to work out that salvation, but instantly at that point, you don't have to, if you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, instantly the Spirit of God comes and recreates you on the inside. You become a child of the living God. Hallelujah. And the Bible declares that physical growth is, in a sense, correlated along with spiritual growth. The Bible declares that we are to desire the sincere milk of the word that we might grow thereby. Then it comes back and says, I fed you with milk, not meat. And so we, as we grow and mature in the things of God, we are able to take on more of insight, eternal insight, and actually own it ourselves. Do you know what I mean by that? It, it, the Word of God then becomes a part of who you are. Yeah. It, it's not just something out here that I'm kind of thinking of. No, it actually, I become the Word of God. I become like Christ. We're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. This is what's so miraculous about the entire thing. It goes back to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. And Pastor Mamie brought this up. Get a Bible that it makes sense to you. I mean, nobody talks King James language anymore. It used to be the common vernacular. So that way it just made perfect sense to read that. Now, we don't go with these and thous anymore. We, we do not speak Queen's English. I don't know anybody who speaks Queen's English. But uh, the Amplified's a great Bible. New American Standard's a great Bible. The MEV is a great Bible. <laughs> just find the one that just speaks to your heart. I would suggest you get quite a few of them, to tell you the truth, because the Amplified is an excellent version. Did you say 116 or 16? 16? 16. Okay. What did I say? Did I say 116? 
that's what I All right, thought. minus 10. <laughs> okay. Well, this 16 is good, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We could sit down and read yeah, this right, whole yeah. book. It says this. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard it and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. God's wonderful grace. Changing lives. Continuously changing lives. Yeah. And that's what Pastor Mamie says. you got to read it by faith. And, and you definitely want the Word of God to discern your thoughts and the intentions of your heart. Because we're, we're born again and we want things to change. So if he's going to let us know about something that's in our life that is not pleasing to him, well, we want to know about it so we can change. Yeah. And so I say this again. If there's one lifelong habit you want to develop, that will pay you rewards now and also pay you rewards for all eternity. Read your Bible every day. You don't have to read chapters and chapters. Just begin to make it a habit that you go to the Word of God. And this is why we would encourage you to follow along with this chronological plan because it's, it kind of spurs you on when you have other people reading it. It's like, oh, i got to get to it too. And then you start looking at the comments and you go, oh, I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. It's very helpful to do this with other friends and people because, again, the body of Christ is a divine body. We're not just a group of people. And so someone's comment is coming from the Spirit of God living in them, and it's helpful. It'll encourage your own heart and spark a new thought for yourself. And so we already have, I think, at least 25 people signed up following it uh, there's it's a daily reading plan again like i said it has opportunities to put your comments in you don't have to feel obligated every day to comment but it's but it's also nice to just say something just so that people know hey i'm just a part of this and mm-hmm. hey, this is, is this is helping me too it's only like four or five chapters a day, a day yeah. yeah it's not yeah. like you're reading half the bible and now you got to make a thesis about it it's yeah. just <laughs> hey, I'm just reading. This is what spoke to my heart. Yeah. That's all. Yes. So 11 reasons to read your Bible every day. Number one, <laughs> the Word of God points me to truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, contrary to public opinion, there is still <laughs> truth. Otherwise, we just should define the word and say, because truth is not flexible. Come on. You know, there's that, there is that bridge in Oslo, Norway. If you, if you Google it, you'll see it. It's all lit up. It says truth is flexible, and it looks all pretty and nice and glittery. But truth, is, truth can't be flexible just by its own definition. Mm-hmm. And, and I know it's fashionable to have people say, well, I'm living my truth. You live your truth. But the problem is when our truths collide, then it gets confusing because... Where is, what is truth then? We're back to the same question. Yes. Is there a single truth for us to follow? And the world likes to just redefine as it goes along. If it doesn't fit that, their paradigm, then we're going to redefine the meaning of marriage. We're going to redefine the meaning of what is moral, what is right. We're going to define gender. 
we're going to redefine whatever it is so that I can live my truth. And it sounds like I'm just so genuine, doesn't it? It's just you know? an excuse for sin. And so people don't know really where to look for truth. Everybody says, look inside. And I don't know about you, but I've tried that. <laughs> it doesn't work. It's like, today this is truth, but tomorrow when I feel differently, maybe this becomes truth. And if I talk to you and I, you, can, you convince me, it's like, oh, I like your truth. And so we can live like this on this roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And we are not meant to live that way. Right. You know, and Jesus said this, John 14, 6. Oh, look this up. This is awesome. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6. And again, I would encourage you, if you're here today, and you're not, even, you're not familiar with the Bible, get, grab a Bible. You have to take a risk. You have to learn to do something different. Open it up. Find the Gospel of John, because a lot of times our Bibles have tabs in them. Yes. This Which makes it quick work of yeah. finding it. Because I was, you know, we were all there. I remember when Steve gave me my first Bible. I, right here in the front, you know, he's, the day he gave it to me. I remember thinking, how do you know your way around in this? I, it <laughs> felt, I felt completely lost. I'd go to the table of contents a lot. Yes. And go, I don't know where that is, and I'll just look it up. But, you know, the more you do it, the more familiar you become. So like when you're at church, and, I, and we say, turn to John chapter 14, if you'll do it enough, pretty soon you'll go, oh, I know John's not back in Genesis, it's over this far. To the and pretty <laughs> soon you'll know exactly where it is because that's where the pages fall out in your Bible. Yeah, right. <laughs> John 15. John 15, John 14, John, yes, John 15, same as it's yours. It's that New American Standard producer. <laughs> that, <yeah. laughs> so Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Mm -hmm. And this is really what it's all about. We're, this, the whole story of the Bible is taking us back to our original roots, our family, that we were meant to be sons and daughters of God. Yes. And so Jesus is the only way back to the Father. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I, if you want to flip a few pages, John 17, uh, 16, Jesus is talking about to the disciples, and he's saying, he's telling them, he's praying to the Father for them. And he's saying, I don't, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. This yeah, is John 17, 16. They're not of the world, even, even as I'm not of the world. See, this is why it's important for us to read the Bible. You, you discover you're actually, when you become a child of God, you become part of a different kingdom. You are not of this world. And I know that sounds strange. But the more you read the Bible, the more you begin to understand, no, I am a sojourner in this life. That's right. I am not really a part of this world's kingdom. And Jesus said, verse 17, sanctify them by what? Truth, your yes. truth. Your word is what? Truth. Yes. As you sent me into the world, so I'm sending them into the world. The world needs to know truth. And you and I are sent into the world 
to be lights, beacons of truth, to hold, hold up a standard of truth yes. to the world. So, so this is important for us because if, if believers don't know truth, then Ooh. we're all in trouble. And so the Word of God, the reason that we want to read the Bible every day is because it's going to reset your mind and reorient you to truth. Mm-hmm. Number two, the reason we read the Bible every day is the Word of God has the supernatural power to give you birth as a son or daughter of God. Hallelujah. It has the power of salvation. When you read it, the gospel has the power of, to save your soul. Jesus said this in John 3.3. We're still in John. Then you back up. John 3.3. Jesus said this. He said, unless a person is born again, he or she cannot experience the kingdom of God. So some of you are like, I don't understand, I don't understand. Well, that's maybe because you are not born of God's Spirit. Could be. Jesus said, unless a person is born again, you cannot experience the kingdom of God. In other words, you cannot touch or know eternal life. And so he gives us birth. You can write this down, look it up later. I'm going to read it. James 1.18 says this. It was of his own will that he gave us birth as his children by the word of truth. So in other words, when I read the word of God and I ask God to search my heart, ask him to forgive me of my sin, make himself known to me, Mm -hmm. it says I can become a type of first fruits. My, My spirit will become born again. And that's becoming who you were created to be. You were never meant to live an eternal death. This is why Jesus came, to give us life. And so the gospel message carries the power, as I read it, to bring a new birth into me. Except I'm, I'm born of water and the Spirit. I cannot see the kingdom of God. You and I need forgiveness for our sin. But I know that's not... A pleasant message these days. Because the world wants to tell you that there really is no sin. That the sin doesn't matter because it's my truth and if mm-hmm. I want to live this way. And so the whole notion of sinning against a holy God has just become so muddied. And there's no, there's no fear and honor of God then. Because it's like, I just want to do my own thing, and we get so used to doing it that our heart gets hardened to this idea that right. we keep offending a holy God. And so Jesus, you know, the, when we hear the gospel, when we really understand the, the message of the gospel, and you hear it for what it's saying, you welcome it because you realize without that forgiveness of sin, you'll die in the penalty of your sin and the wages of sin Scripture says is death. That's eternal death. If you yes. die under the penalty of your own sin, the judgment from God will be eternal death. Yeah. Now, again, that should be a scary thought. That should make us all think. That's our prayer, that as we talk about these things and as we read the Bible, we are all refreshed on 
the message of the gospel and why it's such right. good news. Because you don't have to suffer in hell. And Jesus made his, made his uh, salvation available to you and I as a gift. You cannot do anything to earn your salvation. This is why scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe mm -hmm. on him would not perish, would find everlasting life. That's really good news. That's awesome news. It's, not, so it's, it's a reason, again, to read our Bible, because if, you, if I'm saying these things, we're saying these things, and you're going, I'm still confused, well, that's okay. Don't just don't quit searching. Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. Just don't quit. Right. And the door, he says, will be open. So, it's pretty amazing. Third reason we should read our Bible every day. <laughs> <laughs> because the Word of God teaches me obedience and how to be pleasing to God. The Bible will teach us how to, to live a life that is truly pleasing to, to God. It, our purpose as Christians is to glorify God with our lives. It's to, we, we are kind of like trophies on God's trophy case because we were this way and now we're this way. And so it's all because what he's doing within us as we yield ourselves to the word of God and as we learn obedience, and this is really important for us to understand, it's something that we learn. We just aren't born to a place where, ask a two-year-old, anybody got a two-year-old? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Because yeah, a two-year-old is not going to just automatically obey you. And this is why we have to learn obedience. Go to John chapter 14. Now, three times in this particular chapter, Jesus really cuts through the quick here to determine whether or not we're born of his spirit. And verse, verse, let's take a look at verse 23. John 14, verse 23. Jesus is really putting it straight out, as he always did. Uh, Jesus says this, If anyone really loves me, he will keep and obey my words, my teaching. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling place in him. Three times in John chapter 14, Jesus says this, if you love me, you'll obey me. Three times in that one chapter. Now, if God says something one time, we should pay attention to it. But if he says something three times in one chapter, that's something where we've got to understand, well, this is the acid test whether we're really born again. And it is simply obedience to his word. And you'll take, write this down. It's, John, it's verse 15, verse 21, and verse 23. See, we're called to have a separated life, a sacrificial life. It, it's, it, it's very plain that God is calling us to live a different style of life compared to the way the world lives. Again, Pastor Mamie brings it up. Our citizenship is in heaven. He's going to bring that kingdom here on this earth. 
The best thing for us to do is understand that kingdom right here and right now so that when it does appear, that we won't be, in a sense, confused about what we see and how we're to live our lives in that new kingdom. The Bible clearly, Jesus clearly said this. He says that you are to give up your life, give up your life. That means our old ways, our carnal ways, the way we used to be. We give that up in obedience to his word to find true life. And his life is what's being imparted to us as we yield ourselves to him. Jesus says it this way, he, he's, he's the narrow gate. Yeah. It's a narrow gate, it's a narrow path that we walk as Christians. It's not broad because Jesus warns us that the broad way is full of destruction. And he says many are going to find that way because it's easy and you do whatever you want to do. Now the narrow path is Jesus Christ and it's, you see, heaven is God's. He gets to make the rules. <laughs> and he's a king. Yeah. <laughs> it's different than a democracy. A king says, this is how it is. There's no vote. There's no opposition that will stand. He's the king. And he's giving his stuff to us if we just simply obey him and live the way he wants us to live. It's a narrow path. And guess what? You and I are going to be tested on this narrow path. Anybody find that out? Oh no. my gosh. It's going to be, we're going to be tested by time. Things take longer than we want them to take. We don't let, we don't bail out on God we let him have his perfect work. What does it say? Let patience have its perfect work so we'll be lacking nothing. But what happens, too many of us, we just bail out on it and we come up with our own solution to the problem that's in front of us. Another way we're going to be tested is by our circumstances. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like this. Like Job's friends. <laughs> Job either. <laughs> he didn't like it. And it's going to be inconvenient. This narrow path is going to be inconvenient for the way the world is trying to tell us to live. It's going to be sacrificial. That's one word that you're not going to hear too many times in the world. Live a sacrificial life. No. I <laughs> know. <laughs> It's, this is really important for us. There's, there really is no way around it. You know, it's, it's obedience proves our love to Jesus. We can say we love him, but you know what he's going to do? He's going to look, are you obeying my word? Then you, I know you love me. Yeah. We're, following, we're following someone we should be calling our master. This is part of the whole king kingship idea and so if jesus had to learn obedience by what he suffered which is what scripture says yep. hebrews chapter he didn't five. get his way especially in the garden of gethsemane we know he, he prayed not please you know if is there any other way yet not my will but let your will be done mm -hmm. he's the son of god 
So if he had to learn obedience by what he suffered, we, like you said, we're on a narrow path. We're learning the ways of obedience. But there's life that comes through obedience. Yes. It's not all just suffering. Because we're on, we are on a path of life with God. And so there's, in his presence, we find there's fullness of joy yes. in that kind of obedience. And so the fourth reason to read your Bible every day is because the Word of God teaches me what to value. There we go. And what not to value in this life. And let's, you know, like, like Amanda was saying during the hosting time, that we have so much opportunity in this country. We're all, we could all be considered very rich. We have so much blessing. Yep overflowing blessing. You know, my daughter was telling me, she said, I was in Target the other day, and, you know, kids get gift cards for Christmas. And so, well, let's hurry up and go back to Target and get our... She said, I couldn't believe how many people, families, were just flooded in the, in the toy aisle already. It was, here we are, two weeks or so, three weeks after Christmas, and there's just more toys, you know, more things, more, you know, I need... There's not enough room in the house for the toys that there are, but I... <laughs> you know, we live in a land of opportunity, and there are many, many options for you and I to choose from Yes. here in America. And most people are choosing the options according to their own self-will. What do I want? What is my truth? How do I feel about mm. this? Right? We're not seeking God enough for His will. What do you value, Lord, yes. in life? What, are you, what, are, what should my values be? And you could tell what you value in life just by what you do with your time. And your money. And your money. Look at your, you know, we used to say checkbook, but now I guess just look on your phone at the electronic, your app, <laughs> and find out. You can scroll through and see. Where, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So if you look and see, where, what do I spend all my money on? Well, that's what you treasure. That's how the Lord judges it. He'll go, well, it looks to me like this is what's important to you, you know, to spend your money on. Or what do you do with your time? Mm -hmm. What do you do with the abilities that God gave you? Right. You know, when you begin to read the Word of God, you, you begin to realize that God places value on a whole lot of different things than the world does. He places value on walking in forgiveness with yes. people. He, he places value on humility, on servanthood, serving other people, not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought, preferring, you know, your brother or sister in Christ before yourself. These are the things that God values. Mm -hmm. The world's value is more on fame, power, do what I want, you know, what I want. And 1 John 2, this is just such a good scripture. Yes. I'm going to read it, 1 John 2, verse 15. It says this, don't love or cherish the world or the things in the world. Now, this is a big challenge. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And look at what verse 17 yeah. says. <laughs> and the world is passing away, and the lust of it, 
but he who does the will of God abides forever. Now see, Jesus knew it would be easy for us to get our values all mixed mm -hmm. up. Or just bury your talent, don't do anything with it, just... I don't feel like it. You know, we're, we're, we're a lot, people live on their feelings. Yeah. If I feel like it, I will. If I don't feel like it, I won't. But we can bury our talents. Every one of us in this room, you know, when you, if you give your life to Christ, you discover you've been given a spiritual gift of yes. some kind. Whether it's serving, it might be teaching, <laughs> helping in some way. Every single person has been given a gift to be used, not for yourself, but to serve other people in the body of Christ. And we're warned even in Scripture about burying our gift. Don't bury it. Yeah. Because why? We, we look at another person, we go, well, my gift isn't as important as theirs. I can't, I don't have much to offer. Well, you know, just a cup of cold water, Jesus said, there to a little go. one. If you do that, you won't lose your reward. But are we willing to get out of ourself and serve and help and be a servant? These are important things. We need to understand what God values yes. so that we put our, the same value on it. You know, the fifth thing yeah. that we need to make sure that we're reading the Bible every day is because the Word of God actually teaches who you really are. You know, the world is going to try to tell you who you are. Satan will try to tell you who you are. Listen, your past will try to tell you who you are. Your past does not define you. Your future in God yeah. defines you. Who you are in Christ. There's, there's 143 scriptures that declare who you are in Christ. Who you are in Christ. See, old things pass away. All things become new. And all things are of God. Do you know that if you're born again, you have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Just say that about yourself. Look in the mirror and say that. <clears throat> We've all done things that are not righteous. But yet, because the power of God and being born of His Spirit you can declare that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He says you've been raised up and made to sit together with Him in heavenly places. If we put all these things together and we live the life that He wants us to live, that we will rule and reign with Him in His future kingdom. Now, you've said it before. If your eternity is so important and we just flippantly just don't even care about it, I'll find out when it happens, that's the dumbest thing you could do. Everything depends on this. You know, you and I are a child of God. And the Bible declares that whatsoever a man thinks, that's who he becomes. If you think that you're a loser and you just keep telling yourself that, that's what you're going to produce. But if you start to agree with God and who you are in Christ, that's what you will produce also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the thing that's changed our lives. The Word of God changed our life. Changed our life. Now, did it take effort? Yes. 
Did it take sacrifice? Yes, because I can't do the things I wanted to do. Now I'm in a different kingdom. Jesus is my Lord. He is my master. I have chosen to be his slave. That's a bond servant. You know why? Because he's so good to me. Are you crazy? <laughs> this is the best thing you could do. And you're protected by him. You're adopted into his family. The very DNA of God is in you if you're born again. You have a new life right in front of you. You have a new beginning. What happened in the past is the past. That cannot define you. Now listen, some horrible things happen to people. Horrible things. And that means the battle is even stronger for those people because you've got to really put that into your mind. You have to renew your mind of who you are in Christ. No, I don't think that way anymore. No, that's a lie. That's of the devil. I'm of God. Yep. You have to fight like that. Yes. You cannot just give in to the way you feel. Right. You can't. Your true identity is found in the Word of God. And you and I need the power of God to embrace it. Now, if we don't know where these things are in the Bible, you're just making it up. We need to find out what the Bible says, and that is who I am. This is my true identity. One of the things that we pray Tuesdays and Wednesdays is found in Ephesians chapter 1. And Ephesians chapter 3 and the Colossians prayers and the Thessalonians prayers and the Philippian prayers. But Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 says this, Having the eyes of our heart enlightened that we may know what is the hope to which he has called us and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Do you know that God has an incredible inheritance in you? Now, if we start to think this way, it'll change your life. But if we just hold on to the past, and I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, you're going to just stay at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. But God has called us up. He's elevated us to the highest place that could possibly be, sitting together with him at his throne, yes. at God the Father's right hand. We're welcome there. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that we have to renew our mind to that. Yes. You know, the world wants to scribble on your heart to define who you are. And the world is passing away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Word of God stands forever. Yes. It's forever settled in heaven. Yeah. That means it's without debate. So when you start to agree with what God says who you are, it's without debate. It's pretty awesome. And it leads into what happens with the reason number six, because it transforms our life. Number six, the Word of God. Why do we read the Bible every day? Because the Word of God teaches me how to think. That's right. This is what we're talking about. That's right. Romans 12, 2, most of us are familiar with that scripture. It says, it talks about don't be conformed to the pattern of this mm. world. Like some, one translation says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, tell you who you are. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yes. 
So what does transformation mean? In the Greek, that word is the, is the word like metamorphosis, like what happens to a caterpillar when it gets into that cocoon and stays there until it starts to, you know, fight itself through, breaks through. Yes. The, and then it comes out as a butterfly. It's a completely different being from a caterpillar to a butterfly. And that's what happens as we renew our minds to the word of God. Your life will become transformed. The way you think, the way you talk, the way you act, the motivations of your yeah, heart will right. slowly change. I think that's pretty awesome to think that if I will just obey this word, just be a <laughs> doer of it, renew my mind to it, and do change the way I think, transformation will begin to happen in my life. Seventh reason to read the Bible every day. Well, we're not going to make it. We're going to go quickly. The Word of God contains healing and delivering power. This is good to know, especially with COVID and everything that's going on in the world. The Word of God uh, contains healing power and delivering power. Bless yes. the Lord, O oh my soul, Psalm 103. And don't forget his benefits, who forgives all of our iniquities, who heals all of our diseases. Jesus, when he walked the earth, he went about teaching, preaching, and healing. Yes. And so there's healing power in the word of God. And I, we, there's a scripture we're going to just, I'm going to mention it. You could look it up later. But Proverbs 4.20 and 22 yes. is a very good scripture. It says to be attentive to God's word and incline your ear to what he says. Don't let it depart from your sight. To keep the word of God in the midst of your heart it says, because the word is life to those who find it. Some, one translation says, it's medicine to all your yes. flesh. So there's healing power in the word of God as we take it in and meditate on it. I'll go quickly through the, number eight. Is the, word of, the reason we want to read the word every day is because the word of God is a supernatural weapon against the schemes of the devil. The devil is really smarter than you and me. But when we start to think along the word of God, we start to take God's thoughts. We start to overcome him because greater is he who's in us yeah. than he who's in the world. But that takes a renewed mind. God is teaching us how to think. Yes. So we'll go on to number nine. Why do we read the Bible every day? And we need this one big time. The word of God teaches me how to love and forgive as Christ loves and forgives that'll free you up so quickly you know a key to helping us to love and forgive other people in difficult situations when we feel like we've been betrayed and deeply hurt is to meditate on how much we've been forgiven of our own sin by christ yes and so learning to walk in love and forgiveness is going to be one of our greatest challenges in this life, really. But it's kind of Christianity 101. Right. It's the very basis of understanding how much I've been forgiven. Therefore, it's Colossians 3 says this, 13, bearing graciously with one another, willingly forgiving each other. If one has a cause or complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you should forgive. Amen goes back to obedience to the yeah. Word of God. 
And then number, number 10, it says that the word of God gives me peace of, of mind in the midst of a storm. You could stay at peace when there is turmoil all around you. I heard this before. It's, there's rhythm in the chaos. Rhythm in the chaos. So when you have the mind of Christ and you're thinking along the, the way the Bible teaches us to think, we are going to have peace in the midst of chaos because that rhythm is the rhythm of the Holy Spirit. Number 11? Number 11. The Word of God this is good. tells me how to prepare for eternity and the judgment to come. You know, and if there's probably, again, one thing about this whole message that is really the most important is this very thing. That there is a judgment to come after we leave this life. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And this is our final scripture, so turn here with me because this is an important one. Romans 14.10, and then we're going to close. Romans 14, chapter 14, verse 10. You know, the the doctrine of eternal life and eternal death is considered like an an elementary teaching of Christ. It should be something that we're all very familiar with. And to understand that there's a judgment to come is so important because it matters then how you live your life. Yes. We're preparing for that day. Romans 14.10 says, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. How many? All of us. All. (laughs) For it is written, verse 11, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. There's not one person who will escape the judgment of God. Verse 12, so then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. This is another thing that we should meditate on and think about. That the day's coming when I breathe my last, when I step off into, you know, eternity, I will face my maker. I will face the creator of heaven and earth, the one that everyone will bow their knee to. And Jesus has made a way for us to escape eternal yes. death. I go back to John three sixteen. For God so loved the world you know, that he gave He gave his only begotten son. Why did he do it? So that whoever would believe on him, what are we believing? Is it just a matter of, well, I believe that Jesus existed. That's not the kind of believing. It's believing that I have a a sin problem and I need forgiveness Mm -hmm. in order to be welcomed back into the presence of God. That if I will believe that Jesus took my penalty for my sin on the cross and he rose from the grave, that I would be justified. If I believe that and I surrender my life to that, then I will not perish, but I'll find eternal life. And so let's just consider that. Will the worship team come up and as we will bow our heads and think about that?
You know, those, these kind of thoughts sometimes can make us feel uncomfortable, but wouldn't you rather understand these truths now than get to the judgment seat of Christ and go, why didn't somebody tell me this? Why did I live my whole life, you know, like with the wrong set of glasses on? And so the wise person will pay attention to the things of eternity. And so we don't want you to reach eternity and say, why, were, why didn't you tell me the stakes were high? The stakes are very high. Yes. And I don't believe that anybody is, is in this room just by coincidence. God's eye is on every person. And remember, he so loved the world, so he loves you with an everlasting love. And he's drawing you to himself. Then all it takes is just opening your heart, bowing your knee, if you will, surrendering to who he is, to his love, to his lordship. Salvation is a gift. You cannot earn it. It's simply received. And so if you're in this place today and you, you think, if I walk out of here, you know, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Walk out of here, and I don't want to sound like doom and gloom, but you could get hit by a car and die. Do you know where you'll be when you face Jesus? Think about it. Because He's made a way for your sins to be washed away, He's made a way for you to become a new creation, to be welcomed into His family. So, if there's anybody in here today who would like to surrender their heart to Jesus admit I am a sinner I have sinned against you I've, I've not understood you I've lied about you if you're ready to open your heart surrender your life to Jesus just simply do that by faith. You just you could raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. This is just between you and the Lord. Let him know. Say, Jesus, I'm giving my life to you today. I don't even, you may not understand all of that means. That's okay. If that's you, just raise your hand. We'll pray a prayer with you of faith, of salvation. Holy Spirit will come into your life and heart, change you. Is there anybody in here? Don't resist him. Again, I say Jesus loves you. We love you. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Anybody. We thank you, Father. We thank you. Holy Spirit, for moving in this place today, Lord, I thank you for teaching us. Holy Spirit, we recognize you and your love, your wooing hearts, drawing people to want to know you, love you, serve you. We worship you, Lord. I pray you would encourage every heart in here. Draw them, Lord, into a place of salvation. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.